That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When it comes to relationships, instead of starting the argument with, you never do this or whatever, right away the person will get defensive. Instead, you, you have to say things that are more collaborative, like instead of you never compliment me. Oh my God, the other day when you told me how beautiful I am, I couldn't stop thinking about it for three days. It makes me feel so good. So that way the person, instead of being defensive, they feel validated. So then that's how you can quote unquote win the argument. I'm Bella Benson. Welcome to another episode of Too Tired to Be Crazy with me on every Thursday. Today, my special guest is Chris Voss. I'm able to pronounce his name super easy. Thank God he has a super easy name. Hi, welcome. Hi, Violet. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on. This is actually an interview that we've been waiting for quite some time to have him on. So I'm very thankful you're here. Chris Voss is the current CEO and founder of Black Swan Group. And he's also the author of a life-changing book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depends on It. At one point, Chris was also the lead international kidnapping negotiator of the FBI which is so cool, as well as the FBI's hostage negotiation representative for the National Security Council's hostage working group. Chris was also a member of New York City's Joint Terrorist Task Force for 14 years. That's crazy. It was a good time. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> All of it? Uh, yeah, every bit of it. I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every step of the way. I'm enjoying all the steps that are ahead. Before we get started, what does it mean to be part of the New York City's Joint Terrorist Task Force? Um, FBI and NYPD uh, were the original founders. You know, then depending upon the cases, everybody else joined in, you know, because a lot of law enforcement agencies are involved in a bombing or a terrorist act. And, you know, they assign us all to the same squad, if you will, task force. And we collaborate. We catch the bad guys that much faster. Got it. I know that when I, I used to intern, which a lot of people don't know, or unless I guess maybe they listen to this one episode on my podcast, I used to pursue law. So I was interning for the hardcore gang division in the DA's office in Los Angeles. But one thing that was very interesting about the hardcore gang division when I first joined was I saw a map and on the map, it showed how many gangs there are, which was like everywhere. And I was shocked because I didn't know there was a thing. Is that, was that, is that also kind of the same thing with the terrorist task force? Is there's like a lot more happening all over the map of the world or the U.S. and places that we don't even know it's happening there? Yeah, you know, once, once kind of once they get started and it's crazy, they get, they get very much like gangs. Uh, at one point in time, we even classified them as gangs. You know, they get started along ethnic lines. They get started along religious lines. And no religion and no ethnicity has the market cornered on people that just want to be bad. They just want to commit crime. And so if you're criminal, you're going to you're going to probably want to join a terrorist organization because they're breaking the law. So, yeah, they're all over the place. What classifies someone as a terrorist? You know, if you're trying to accomplish political, social change via violence, 
you know, and, and that and actually, you know, it's almost a controversial definition and different countries in the world have trouble wrapping their minds around or wrapping their arms around it because you got somebody that looks like you that wants to commit a crime and they'll say it's to benefit you. And, you know, one man's terrorist, another man's freedom fighter. I mean, there's so many. You would think that the definition of a terrorist or terrorism would be a simple thing. And it, and it's just kind of not because it bleeds over into religion and politics. And you know how calm everybody is about those conversations. Before we get into everything, I feel as though we should probably start simple. Okay, this is such a stupid question. I have to add it in. But was working for the FBI, like working, you know, like law and order SVU? Because I watch a lot of it. And I feel like for me, I've become an expert in it. Kind of like how people think they're a doctor because they watch Grey's Anatomy. That's how I feel with watching law and order SVU. Is it like similar (laughs) to what it's like to work for the FBI or no? Well, you know, it can be. FBI was actually a pretty cool place to work because since there's every kind of crime, then whatever you're into, you get to do, you get to, you, you get to investigate it. it. It could be kind of cool. Like if you're into art, somebody's stealing art, somebody's forging art, you know, it's, and it's one of the few organizations that covers so many different things that, um, you know, it could be what you make of it. A friend of mine used to call it the ultimate entrepreneur's job. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be part of the FBI or CIA. I thought it was the coolest job in the world. Uh, well, that, that's cool. I mean, we're very different animals, you know, very different type of person attracted to either one. But, you know, both of them are great jobs. Yeah. To simplify things for people, what is negotiation defined by you? I mean, great negotiation is great collaboration. I mean, what, what's an FBI agent doing talking about negotiation anyway or business negotiation, which, you know, the book is done really well in the business for business and personal life. But it's about collaboration. It's really about long-term relationships, changing the world from a zero-sum game to a positive-sum game. And, you know, you would never think that I would learn how to do that negotiating with terrorists. But what we found out worked on terrorists didn't work because they were terrorists. We found that it worked because they were people. And really with the discovery of neuroscience and a bunch of things, pretty much since 2002, we find out that this is stuff applies, you know, wherever human beings are involved. As someone who's a good negotiator, what is the easiest way to, to tell if someone's lying to you when you're trying to quote unquote negotiate with them? Well, there isn't an easy way to tell, but by and large, it's not that you can tell that they're lying. It's whether or not you can tell that they're telling the truth. So what does that mean? Doesn't that sound like the same thing? Basically, people have one way they tell the truth, period. That's the way a lie detector works. They put you on a lie detector and they ask you a bunch of questions that you're supposed to tell the truth to, like, what's your name? What day is it? What'd you have for breakfast? Where are you? And the machine records what you look like when you're telling the truth. If you tell the truth, which is a bit of a condition there because some people lie so much, that's all they do. I mean, like they even lie about what the name is or hesitate enough to make it look like they're being deceptive. So then once you get the one way that somebody tells the truth down, like they could lie 50 different ways. You don't know which one they're going to pick in the moment. It's too much to remember to remember all the 50 ways. All you got to do is remember they're not doing what they do when they tell the truth anymore. So it's kind of counterintuitive. But when you get used to it, then it becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, that is interesting with the lie detector. A lot of people can now lie on a lie detector. 
I feel like if they keep their heart rate the same way and stay calm or train themselves, they can get away with the lie detector too. That's why it's not 100% true. Well, it depends upon the operator to start with. But then what you're talking about is they look one way all the time, which means they never, you can never count on them being truthful with you. They call that deception and you're then deceptive all the time. So yeah, you could, you know, you could take a drug. Some people used to like to try to take Valium to try to beat the box that we said. Well, then, then the gauges never come up. So the operator looks at this guy and he goes like, this guy never, or gal never tells the truth. You know, they're always deceiving. So take that into account. When did you realize that high level negotiation was something that you excelled at? When I got into it, I just, I just really enjoyed it. I mean, if you want to excel at something, first of all, you got to be fascinated by it. You got to put in the time. Uh, you know, there's a, a great book out there called The Talent Code uh, by Daniel Coyle. And Coyle contends that Nobody naturally excels at anything. They just got interested before other people noticed. And then since they were interested, they started putting in their time to get better. And then suddenly when people didn't notice them until they were good, there's, they're saying like, you're a natural. Well, no, I just been having fun with this for two or three years and you just didn't pay any attention. So there's a lot to be said for just getting into something and, and having fun learning it. Do you believe that negotiating in any level in some way mimics manipulation? Uh, You know what? That's a great question. It's more what somebody's trying to do. Am I trying to hurt you or am I trying to help you? Manipulation uh, is a word that we feel is bad. It's bad to manipulate people. But is it bad to influence them? Is it bad to help them? You know, I was thinking the other day, you know, a scalpel in a surgeon's hands can save your life. A scalpel in a criminal's hands, they can cut your throat. It's all what the other person is trying to do. Are they trying to help you? Are they trying to hurt you? Okay. What is the most dangerous type of negotiation? So dangerous type of negotiation, when when I'm getting mad, it's dangerous for me because I'm going to do and say stupid things. You know, there's an old saying about uh, if you give a speech when you're angry, it'll be the greatest speech you ever regret. And these days, in social media, when self-righteousness is triggered, we do and say things that's going to hurt us, but it feels so satisfying in the moment that we don't notice. Yeah, I agree. I notice when I can keep my emotions, when I can make logical arguments, and I can also listen and understand what the other person's side is. And that's usually when we come to an agreement versus when I'm angry I just say things that I afterwards I regret because I said it with anger. And a lot of times when you start to attack somebody, they stop listening to your side. It doesn't matter anymore. Even if you were right, now you're wrong. That's a really insightful point. As soon as you start attacking, they do stop listening. And then there's no success model out there that says your life is better off when you make people stop listening. (laughs) It's just not there. Would you say one of the most dangerous type of negotiations is also the one that you don't know that you're in? Oh, you know, that's an interesting quote. Somebody, somebody really wise must have said that somewhere along the <laughs> <Yeah>. line. <laughs> I've seen it on your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then, because you don't know you're in it, maybe you think it's okay to be angry because you, you don't think there's anything at stake or, you know, you're dismissive or you're blunt or you're negative. Yeah. Um, How does one become a better negotiator? 
focusing on better collaboration. And then, first of all, then that opens your eyes. And then letting the other side talk and learning the difference between not talking and listening. <laughs> because just because you're not talking doesn't mean that you're listening. So you think talking is a turn-taking thing. Right. You're just waiting your turn. Right. Boy, you know, it's crazy what you can figure out when you actually start listening to people. I know I sound like your dad saying that, but it's it's so true. Yeah, that is true. So if you are in a conversation with somebody, because sometimes I can have a conversation or a debate or or anything with someone. And I, I know that even while I'm sitting and listening to them, there's a point during that conversation that I can tell, oh, that person doesn't care for my opinion this is not going to change anything. And I rather just like walk away. So sometimes I don't know if I'm wrong for that, where I kind of either tune out or I just kind of rather end the conversation because I know it's not going anywhere. How do you kind of fix my type of mindset? You know, that's hard because we so rarely see that there's a better way. I mean, there, there are no examples of good listening in TV or the media. You know, so how how do we know what it looks like or feels like to actually listen better? We don't see it in the TV or the media. So do we see it in each other around us? By and large, no. I mean, so, you know, you want to give up because you don't know a better way. People only give up when they feel they're wasting their time. And if you don't know a better way, you feel like you're wasting your time. So you you got to look for it. Or if you're lucky enough that somebody around you demonstrates it. Like, I'll give you a great example. And certainly there's less pressure now, but in in COVID, people who were unable to work couldn't pay their rent. So why am I supposed to pay my rent? Is it going to do me any good to talk to my landlord about it? So about a year ago, and I love it when women do this because emotionally intelligent negotiation, which is what this is, women tend to pick up faster than men do. Now, I don't know why. I just know that's what we're seeing. And that also doesn't necessarily mean that women are better at it than men are. But I do know that they pick it up faster and we're seeing success across the board with women more than with men. So my example is a female negotiator. She negotiated with a landlord during COVID and a landlord wants to raise the rent, which makes no sense. Because if you drive your tenant out in COVID, you know, first of all, maybe they don't leave. Maybe they just stop paying and they don't leave. And a year ago, there was a moratorium on evictions. You couldn't evict somebody. Even if there wasn't an official moratorium, the courts weren't open anyway, and you couldn't go to court, kick them out. So it made no sense to raise the rent. Landlords raise the rent anyway. So instead of making the argument as to why it's a stupid idea, the woman gets her landlord on the phone and she says, look, you know, your bills haven't gone away. And your taxes aren't going down and your utilities aren't going down and you have bills to pay. And that's why you want to raise the rent because none of your expenses have gone down. Now, this is strictly a demonstration of understanding and no counter argument whatsoever. And if I say that, the landlord's going to say, that's exactly right. And that's why you have to pay because our default mechanism is this is going to go bad. But she's black swan trained. She's a black swan. So she lays this out and then shuts the heck up. Because after you lay out the other side's opinion, perspective, how they see things, you have to shut the front door. You have to shut the heck up. And the landlord literally says to her, yeah, that's right. 
But if not raising your rent is what I got to do to keep you as a tenant, I'm not going to raise your rent. So, yeah, you're going to quit because you think it's going to be a waste of your time to do that because you got no way of knowing any better. And, and that's why the conversation before you said your gut instinct is to just turn and walk away because your gut instinct is going to is based on your accumulation of experience and you've never experienced a different way. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And that also makes sense why you use the word collaboration a lot when you talk about negotiation, which is something I think people don't put two and two together. But that was her suddenly collaborating with her landlord without him realizing. And that's how they came to a mutual agreement. That actually reminds me when I was at university, I don't know how much of this is negotiation. It sounds more like a threat, to be honest. But um, one of my teachers, she didn't care for me. I was always in the first row when I would show up. I would kind of disrupt the class by asking like a lot of questions or maybe being careless because it was just kind of who I was when I was younger. And uh, she was ready to give me like a D plus or something in the class. And I begged her and I said, listen, I think you should give me a C or C minus. I need I need this grade to pass. And she was like, no, sorry, this is the grade you deserve. And I was like, okay, I completely understand. But if you give me that, I'm going to have to repeat your class and I will make sure to show up to your class every single day. If you're going to look at what's better for you for your life, I know it's satisfying for you to give me a D, but how much more satisfying is it really going to be for you when I show up to your class every single day, disrupting you and just sitting there every single day for an hour of your day, wasting your time. She gave me a C. So I don't know if that was like a good example, but at least I got that C, but uh, I negotiated that and I won. Yeah. Well, all right. So. First of all, you were somebody who made it a zero-sum game to start with. And I, and I view negotiation as, as a positive-sum game. Right. And I would have taken a completely different attitude with you anyway. Like, the most successful person that was ever in any class that I taught sat right up front. Like, I dig the people that are sitting right up front. Yeah. He sat right up front for the very same reason that you did. Because the, the class wasn't getting that much of your time. So you're trying to maximize your time. The other message you're sending that I loved as an instructor, and that's why, you know, we became friends, was because you're trying to show me that you're fearlessly engaged. You could have snuck in a room and sat in the back and hid. I worry about those people because you're treating the class as a limited resource so when you're there, you're trying to maximize your time. And you're also doing it in a fearless way, which I respect. <laughs> um, do you believe that everything in life is negotiable? Qualified, yes. And these days, I look much more at how long is it going to take me to get you to loosen up and collaborate with me. And there's a, there's a diminishing marginal returns on my investment of time. My most valuable commodity is time. Because there are a lot of people out there that want to collaborate with me that I don't have to dance with you for years to get you there. If you're in a negotiation where you're going to waste a lot of my time before I bring you around, there are other people that, that are looking to collaborate with me and want to and, and need to. If you're going to suck all the energy out of me, I'm, I'm going to go find somebody else. So I, I believe that every negotiation, there is no zero chance of success but there is some that the success is just so far off, it's not worth it for me. Okay. Yeah, I agree. 
When negotiating, how do you decide what's fair while still fighting for your side? Fair, that's the F word. You dropping that F bomb on me. Yeah, what's fair and what's unfair? That is like one of the most emotionally charged words out there. If you're looking to exploit me, like if you see this as a zero-sum game and the only way you're going to be satisfied from what you get is I have to give it up. If this is an exploitation, then to me, you know, that's unfair on your part. I mean, I guess that's that's my best answer. That that fair is a tough question. Fair is what you, people usually drop in when they can't point to any objective criteria to back them up, and they feel backed into a corner. And they also know that it's some really shrewd cutthroats out there know what a manipulative word fair is, and they drop it in there to their advantage. Right. Well, so everyone is going to have a different perception of fair. Like if we're dating and we're quote unquote negotiating to collaborate, I think it's fair that you don't sleep with other people and you don't think it's fair because you want to continue doing that, but you also still want to continue sleeping with me. So we're both going to have a different view of what we believe is fair in dating one another. Yeah. And and that gets into a larger principle, which I would call core values. It, you know, at the end of the day, we're not a good match. And there are better people out there for both of us. You know, there's, there's somebody who wants to be monogamous with you, period. And there's somebody out there for him that is thrilled at not being monogamous. So there are better matches. And that's why, you know, moving on is probably a better idea. So you can negotiate your way into somebody dating you if they don't want to. Interesting. Interesting. You know, my first, if they don't want me, why do I want them? I mean, it's almost like, an abu- it's, a, it's a version of a, an abusive relationship. How do you get somebody to stop abusing you? Well, you, you don't. You actually move on. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In my classes at Georgetown at USC, every now and then a young lady in my class would come up and say, how do I negotiate a better salary in a company that's famous for paying women less? And my answer to you is, how do I negotiate a better relationship with a guy who's beating me? You don't. You move on. Some place that is known for paying women less, that's a really stupid idea. To pay somebody less based on their gender versus their talent, that's a company that has a bad business strategy and they're going to go out of business. They're going to be bought by some, somebody else. That job is going to come to an end for you. Now, if the payoff in the moment gives you experience that you can go sell to somebody who will appreciate you, then maybe I might tolerate you staying in that job. But go to where the talent is rewarded, regardless of what your demographics are. 
I mean, and don't stick with people that you're holding up. When I was in public accounting, there's a very limited number of female partners. That doesn't mean I gave up immediately because I was like, well, there's only 13% female partners at this company. So it'll never happen for me. I just negotiated my way and figuring out how I can become a partner, including when I always, what I always tell other women is that if you want a promotion, if you want to raise, ask for it because no one's going to know what you want until you ask for it. And I would ask for it. I would sit down with my partner at one point and I said, what do I need to do in order to, be, to go to the next level? What do I need to do in order to get a raise? I'm very interested in now getting a promotion. I'm interested in this next step. What, do, what are my steps for me? I need you to know that I'm interested in this. And then we started working towards it. So there's a lot of brilliance in what you, you said. The nice fire hose there, which I love. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to break it down because I don't want to forget all of it. So yeah, there's a lot of bozos out there because there's a lot of mediocrity. Does that mean that you should, you should accept it as a long-term consequence? No. So the sooner I get away from the mediocrity, the, the better I get to the higher level people who are in a minority. There's a small minority of companies out there that are for you. There are a small minority of bosses that are out there for you. Every moment you spent with the mediocre keeps you from where you excel. So yeah, a lot of them are bad. Welcome to reality. I don't care about the people that are bad. I care about the people that are good. I want to gravitate towards them. Now, the second thing that you talked about asking for it, absolutely. Always ask. There's two things about that that I love. First of all, they asked. And secondly, the way you asked. Yes, you have to be assertive in negotiations because as you said, how's the other side going to know if you don't bring it up? But you brought it up in a success-oriented way. You used a what question, which is an open-ended question, and what is a perfect choice of a question to identify a way forward and identify problems. And you went in a collaborative way and said, what do I have to do to get ahead? You know, what do I, you can even say, what do I have to do to get paid more? That's a great test because are they going to answer you? Are you going to open their eyes? Are they going to lay out a path for you? Having gone down the path that they've laid out for you, are they going to be true to their word? That's all things you need to know to know also whether or not you want to stay there. Because if they can't lay any of those things out of there, then you should be polishing up your resume and going to somebody who should be laying that stuff out for you. But in the meantime, your conscience is clear because you were upfront with them. And if they want to pretend like they didn't know why they, you quit for a better job, that's on them because you gave them every chance. You gave both sides every chance for success you could have. I love the way you laid all that out. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I've always been like that when it came to the companies I worked at. I mean, not everyone loved how assertive I am, but the people that did love it, that's all that mattered for me. And there's also an interesting dilemma. Like you may have a great boss, but it might not be in a company you want to be in. But working for and with that boss in a time frame could be really valuable for, for you and could be giving you the knowledge you need to move on. Oh, 100%. There's a lot of di different things that are really important in the work environment. For some people, it's titles over money. For some people, it's the environment over the, the title or the money. For me, I had a bad environment because the women in my team made my life miserable, but I had mentors that I look up to and they made my life better because I was like, as long as I'm here, I'm learning a lot every single day. So I need to make the most out of it. And I can also learn from the people who were making my life miserable because I got to learn everything I didn't want to be like. 
So that was very helpful for me too. Yeah, 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 that's great. And it plays into another concept, which I I like to branch into a little bit because you're recognizing people that you, when you said you want to learn to not be like them, Mm -hmm. you also want to learn to recognize them more quickly so that you don't have to be around them first opportunity you get. So everything that you talked about that is all about learning. I mean, the only sin is not to learn. You know, you learn, you get better. You're happier. You make more money. Even in a bad environment where you're learning, it's kind of fun to learn. I mean, you're a better person as a result. So there's a tremendous amount of upside to all that. A lot of times when you don't like something about someone else, it's actually something you don't like about yourself. So even for me, a lot of times somebody irritates me. And I'm like, why is this person irritating me? And I'm like, oh, because she's so loud and outgoing. That's me. That's actually my personality. So I think you're a black swan. You could, you know, we may have to recruit you to come be with the black swan group. huh? You love to learn. How do you win an argument without losing yourself in it? Obviously, you said anger is the worst part. So don't be angry. And how instead do you are you able to negotiate for the other side to understand your opinion? There are two rules for arguing with people and both of them are wrong. Ronald Reagan said, if you're explaining, you're losing. If you're arguing, you're losing. You can't win a losing proposition. Now, if you want to generate a better understanding and give yourself some insight and give the other person, maybe level them out in some way, make them more open to your position. Say this, before I disagree, let me make sure that I've got your perspective correct. And then try to repeat back to them what their point of view is before you disagree. Now, two things will happen. You will level yourself out. You may actually discover something in the conversation that enlightened you by repeating it out loud yourself, which is why we find sounding boards so valuable. A sounding board is not somebody that gives us an opinion. A sounding board is a person that just we get to talk out loud to. And suddenly when we say stuff out loud, we think to ourselves, wow, that makes so much more sense now that I said it out loud. Or, wow, that's not so crazy. It's a path to self-enlightenment. Simultaneously, having been heard, the other person is, in fact, going to be more open to what you have to say as a follow-on. So what you've done is you've gotten rid of all the nonsense and maybe gotten to the heart of the actual issues where both of you are much more in agreement and at least in what the differences are, which increases the chances that there's a a positive sum game that you both end up with an answer that's better than what either one of you thought before the conversation started. Yeah, I like that. I I agree. I think in the end of the day is what people don't realize. Everyone just wants to be heard. And if you feel like you're being heard, you will most likely end up being way more understanding of the other person's perspective. I think even now with what's happening in the Middle East, which is a very complicated issue, which some people can agree or not, I believe it is. But I got some like very mean DMs about the fact that I'm Jewish or lived in Israel. And when I first saw the mean DMs in my brain, I was just like, okay, I'm not even going to bother with this person. And then I decided to test it out. I'm going to hear them out. And it was so crazy how the conversation went from attacking me to just being like, thank you for listening. You know, it was actually really interesting and cool for me to see that, that all I needed to do was let them know, hey, I hear you. 
And that completely changed the dialogue because then they heard me too. Good for you. Well done. Well done. Can you explain the illusion of control in a relationship and how that pertains to negotiation on any level? Yeah, well, the secret to gaining the upper hand is to give the other side the illusion of control. Actually, control-oriented people are really easy to influence. I mean, they're so susceptible to deference uh, and they're so susceptible to being flattered. They kind of lose their ability to think as a result of either one. So I just don't want people to feel like they're trapped. I, I, I want you to feel like your autonomy is being preserved at all times. You could always say no at any given point in time. You could always back out. I mean, Jim Camp wrote a book back in 2002 called Start With No. His idea wasn't that you got people to say no. He, his whole approach was actually, he would say up front, you can say no at any time. You know, you can say no to me right now. The further we go, any moment you want to say no, say no and we'll be done and I'll walk away. He just made people free to say no, which made him feel maybe not in control, but less out of control, less out of being manipulated. And as soon as people feel like that they, you know, that their, their autonomy is not being threatened, they're actually a lot easier to get along with. Okay. I read that appearing powerless means that you're truly in power. Why, why is that? What does that actually mean? Yeah, well, um, it's, it's a really smart move of some of the most astute negotiators out there. Because if they're powerless, they can never be backed into a corner. They can never be, well, you're the decision maker. Why don't you decide? You know, what's the matter with you? People that have an issue with, say, a new strategy. Like people come up to me with ideas. Like, this is a great idea. Why don't you do it? And I'll be like, well, I got a team. I mean, I got to get my team involved. And well, aren't you in charge? Aren't you the head? Uh, you know, aren't you the decision maker? That is a complete misunderstanding of how things get done. I'm up front. I got a team. Look, you got to involve my team. I don't shove anything down anybody's throat. Now, at the end of the day, if I make up my mind that we're going to do something, we're going to do it. But I don't force stuff down my team's throat. So I don't like to look like I'm large and in charge to anybody because I got a team and my team is more important to me. So the person who's diminishing their power in their conversations is always an extremely influential person. I'm not going to try to make myself look big because I got a weak ego that has to be satisfied. Got it. Yeah. I actually do that in chess. I play dumb. And then when the person gets really cocky, I beat them. <laughs> You're a dangerous human being. I mean, <laughs> I did that last weekend. I played against three different guys. Each time I played super dumb. And each time each one of them got cocky and I beat all three of them in a row. It was hilarious. Nice. Nice work. See, you, under, you understand the power of being un, underestimated. Yeah, I actually prefer because I prefer to start from the bottom to be underestimated because then there's no high expectations of me. So I actually like it. So then anything I do just seems so amazing. And then we can work up from there. I don't like to sell myself on someone. I rather them just see what I do and then they can decide whether or not it's great for them. Nice. I mean, there's, there's so many reasons why that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Do you think that people are always negotiating in a relationship without even knowing it? Without question, clearly. And, you know, the issue is what are they negotiating for? Are they negotiating just for quality time? I think that's what a lot of men miss in a relationship. You know, the, the negotiation for quality time. 
And I think men are more likely to miss that than women are. I, I read somewhere that the best way to have this type of negotiation when it comes to relationships is that instead of starting, quote unquote, the argument with you never do this or whatever, right away, the person will get defensive. Instead, you, you have to say things that are more collaborative, like, you know, I would love if we could spend more time together. Remember that last time we did this and this, it made me so happy. Or instead of you never compliment me, oh my God, the other day when you told me how beautiful I am, I couldn't stop thinking about it for three days. It makes me feel so good. And you make me feel so good when you say that. So that way, the person, instead of being defensive, they, they feel validated. So then that's how you can quote unquote win the argument with the other person. Well, not only do they feel validated, but, you know, you're giving them a path to success. I mean, you're giving them a specific model there. If as a guy, I'm preoccupied with something else, like with work or family members or my football team, the more you give me a path to success, if I'm a good partner, and that's not always the case, but if I'm a good partner, I'm going to be like, oh, all right. She liked it when I complimented her on her dress. How crazy is that? (laughs) I'll do it again. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, I love that. I honestly, I feel like I'm really good at giving this advice and I, I can be very logical, but I would say the downfall for me is that when I get emotional, all of that goes out the door. And then I do all the things I say that you shouldn't do, whether it's react with anger, say things I regret, say you never do this. Like a human being, sometimes it's hard for me to just always be monotone. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and something you said is kind of telling that too, because when you said, when I become emotional... You know, it's when you become caught up in negative emotions. And typically when people say you're being emotional, we're talking about negative emotions. Positive emotions are great. You know, it's not emotions that are bad. Positive emotions actually make us more effective. Curiosity is um, a positive feeling. I mean, that makes you smarter. So it's when we get into negative emotions that we go into this downward spiral And unfortunately, yeah, you lack the ability in that moment to lay out a path to success and you go into default mode. You men, women, you know, none of us got the market cornered on this. We say, well, you never do this, which is is really hard for the other person to hear. Yeah. I mean, the minute I get angry is when I know I already lost. That's a great rule to live by. And it's not that you're not going to get angry. It's that you got (laughs) to minimize it as much as you humanly can. 
Yeah. And also me saying the word emotional, that actually obviously comes from women getting used to being called emotional, crazy, dramatic when we react any type of way versus a man. Oh, you're getting angry for a woman. It's oh, you're getting emotional. I think it's kind of funny, the difference of words. That's an interesting. It's an interesting aspect of gender speak. Yeah, good point. Really good point. What would you say the best advice you've ever gotten was? Wow. Um, Never take direction from somebody you wouldn't trade places with or from someone who hasn't been where you're going. I think that's a great advice because with social media, giving out so much misinformation these days, and it's so quick to post things. And a lot of the time, the people who are advocating for different things just to be heard, just to feel like they matter in that moment. A lot of times you're like, you have actually never gone through this. So why would I take advice from you or listen to what you're saying? You don't even understand. So I think that is important for people to note Because social media can become a very dangerous place, especially for information these days. The last thing I would ask you, can you tell me about a time where you literally had to negotiate as if your life depended on it? Wow. Um, You know, do I perceive my life depend upon it? You know, your biggest problem is your biggest problem. You know, this this is a matter of definition. You know, at the end of the day, I've always gone home. At the end of the day, I'm in a country with a tremendous support structure. I'm going to be all right. I have been caught accidentally, you know, I use I use a sense of humor one time. I accidentally walked into a Russian organized crime location. It was, uh, it was in Los Angeles. They were fronting themselves as a Thai massage place. And, you know, the, the legit Thai massage places, I mean, you're going to get a great massage in there. All the lights were out. There was one in a waiting room. There's a guy behind a counter. There's a guy next to a counter. The lights are off in the back, and there's a guy in the back. And there ain't a female masseuse to be seen, nor is there a customer. And these guys are kind of startled when I come walking in and you can't back away from a predator. You got to kind of hold your ground. You got to look relaxed. So I kept walking. I'm looking at these guys and I can tell the guy behind the counter, the counter is set up to be to both block gunfire. And also it's got plenty of places to hide guns. And so I figured the way this place is laid out, this is where these guys divide up this money. And they, they're kind of startled to see me walking in the door. So I just kind of walk in. I look around and uh, I look at the guy behind the counter. I go, you guys open? <laughs> and he says, you know, uh, we're all booked up. And I said, okay, thanks, fellas. I'll see you. <laughs> I turned around and walked out. I kept a playful attitude in a moment that caught everybody off guard. And you'll be shocked in negotiations how far a playful attitude will get you. I love that. Okay, so where can people find you and also your book, Never Split the Difference? All right, so the easiest way to get access to everything, and my company has a lot of free stuff, is to subscribe to our newsletter, which is free. And the value of the newsletter is not that it's free. The value is that it's concise and it's actionable. Now, the simplest way to to subscribe is via text to sign up and uh, send a text message, black swan method, you know, three separate words, spaces in between, not cap sensitive, to the number 33777. And that number you're texting to again is 33777. You send it through like that, it'll ask for your email address. The newsletter comes out every Tuesday morning, but it's the gateway to our website, It's a gateway to everything that we put out. We have training announcements, event announcements. We got a lot of free stuff. 
And also, you can get a link to the book. It's cheaper than Barnes & Noble or anywhere else. Amazon always has the best price. Sign up for the newsletter. You're going to get a long way with the book and the newsletter alone. You're going to make a lot of good deals. Okay. And then people can find you on Instagram at what? The FBI Negotiator, at the FBI Negotiator. Okay, amazing. So you guys check out his book. Don't forget to follow him. He has a great Instagram. He posts a lot of his quotes. He posts a lot of advice. You can feel free to follow him at the FBI Negotiator. You can also DM him if you have any questions. Maybe he'll answer, maybe he won't. I don't know. And check out his book on Amazon, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depends on It. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Is there anything I didn't ask you? You know... Getting better at negotiation, once you start trying, you know, you, if you're willing to make a mistake, start in small stakes, stuff that doesn't matter. Once you get started, it's, it's not that hard and it's a lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun. Also, I would give advice to sometimes negotiate with yourself. If you're having a bad day, negotiate with yourself how to have a better day. If you hate yourself or something about your body, negotiate with yourself about the things that you love about your body. So things like that are always good to start with yourself. Well said. Be on your side. Yes. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Tired to Be Crazy. Don't forget to check out Chris Voss and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.